You're listening to a message from Every Nation Canberra. Fear is a faith issue. Learn more about this truth in week two of our series, Mixed Emotions. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to church. My name is Joe. I'm one of your leaders here. Welcome to Every Nation Canberra. We exist to honor God and make disciples. Three weeks ago, we started our series called Mixed Emotions. And in this series, I hope that we will have a deeper understanding of what emotions are and a deeper understanding of what the Bible has to say about this and how they affect our faith. We talked about anger, yes, the first week. Paul says, do not fear, or in your anger, do not sin. Last week, we talked about fear and anxiety, and God says, do not fear, for I am with you. Today, we're going to talk about depression And we'd like to let you know that God is not silent when you're suffering. And we're just supposed to have a three-week series, but I just felt in my heart God telling me, extend it one more week. So we're going to have another, uh, the last installment of the series next week, and we'll call it The Scandal of Weakness. With all of these emotions raging inside of us, we need to create an emotionally safe environment in our relationships. And that's what we're going to talk about next week. So today we're going to talk about depression. Last December, my family and I moved to a new place in Throsby from a larger house in Bonner because most of our daughters who are all here left us already. So, you know, if you've experienced how it's like to move places, it can be very stressful and very tiring. And knowing myself, I just don't feel comfortable when there are things unfinished lying around the house. What should have been like a six-month backyard fix, I did in about a month and a half. And I was really stressed out. I would wake up at 5 in the morning and finish at 8 or 9 or 10 in the evening for almost a month and a half. And I came to a point in my life when I just felt so tired and I can't explain what I'm feeling. I don't want to talk to people. I don't want to socialize. I just want to be all by myself. I feel like I'm fine just being there with no one else. I can live without anyone else. So what I'm trying to say is that after going through some reading material about depression and going through the Word, I realized that I was going through some sort of depression. In fact, I talked to one of our pastors, Every Nation pastor in, in New Zealand, and he said that it's real. Everyone goes through that. One man shared this experience about this, and I'll read. He said, I never tried to take my own life in my younger years, but I frequently found myself Googling painless ways to commit suicide. It was a sad state to be in. He said, the reality is that my life was infected with the burden of depression and anxiety. And the only places I could find reliable information from were not churches in my local area. Why? because mental illness wasn't really talked about in churches. He said, it was as if all the answers I was finding were just suggesting that I needed more faith. He said, seriously, the last thing someone contemplating on suicide, he said, wants to hear is just have faith. I understand that Jesus has the power to conquer anything that comes my way, but please don't throw Christian cliches at me. I wanted real, authentic information, practical information, and I assume there are millions in this world who would want the same. It's what Jesus would have done. The name of the young man is 
Jared Wilson, he's now a pastor and an author relentlessly sharing the love of Jesus. What he's saying is that depression is real. In fact, one out of seven Australians will experience depression in their lifetime. Around 1.5 million have depressive disorders. And sadly, 50%, more than 50% of people diagnosed with clinical depression are not receiving treatment. As a result, every day, six Australians commit suicide. Today, 30, a further 30 people will try to end their life. And this is hard statistical fact. This seems to be a picture of a middle-aged woman with her young daughter. And if you look at that picture, you see that woman smiling, right? You probably don't know who she is, but looking at this picture, her name is Kate Spade. And women would probably be very familiar with this, right? Kate Spade rose to fame when his, or her line of bags and, pur and purses became extremely popular in the late 90s. In fact, would you believe, just last year, Coach purchased Kate Spade for an astounding $2.4 billion just last year. In spite of this, Kate was undergoing depression because her husband was filing for divorce. Her sister said this, Kate had been battling with mental illness throughout her life, but it wasn't until comedian Robin Williams killed himself in August 2014 that she began to realize that her sister's obsession with suicide and unraveling mental health was getting worse. And according to her sister, she did not receive the proper care for what she believed to be a bipolar disorder. June 5 last year, she was found dead in her Park Avenue home in New York, apparently of suicide. She hanged herself with a scarf. If this man looks familiar, it's because we see him on TV. He goes all over the world exploring different cuisines and is popular for his food documentary, No Reservations. He was suffering from depression. One day he sat down with a therapist he described how insignificant things, like something as simple as a hamburger in an airport, right, could trigger a spiral of depression for him, which would last for days. Maybe he just didn't like the way it was presented or something. I don't know. But it would get him into a downward spiral of depression. He said, I feel like kind of a freak, and I feel like kind of isolated. I was an unhappy soul. I hurt. I disappointed many, 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 many people. I regret a lot. It's a shame I have to live with. Three days after Kate Spade took her life, the entire culinary world was shocked to its core when it was announced that Anthony Bourdain committed suicide at the age of 61. Three months later, the evangelical world was shocked when Andrew Stockline, the lead pastor of a mega church in Inland Hills, Chino, California, took his own life in the very same church he was preaching. It was a big church. He was only 30 years old. 
He was survived by his wife and three beautiful sons. And his wife said this in a post on Instagram. She wrote, Last night, the love of my life, the father of my children, and the pastor of our incredible church took his last breath and went to be with Jesus. It wasn't the miracle I was hoping for, but he's now in heaven with his dad, free of pain, free of depression and anxiety. The Christian world was rocked when Matthew Warren, the son of Rick Warren of Saddleback Church, the author of Purpose Driven Life, took his life after a lifelong battle with depression. He bought an unlicensed gun and killed himself. In 2017, the founder and the senior pastor of Christ Rock Community Church in Wisconsin, Pastor Bill Lenz, whose ministry included suicide prevention. That was the core of his ministry. He was helping people go through depression and prevent them from killing themselves. He committed suicide after struggling with depression and anxiety in 2017. Depression is real. It doesn't respect any man. It can hit any of us here in this room, and it can hit very hard. A Lifeway research found that nearly half of Bible believers are convinced that people with serious mental disorders, mostly closely associated with suicide, depression, and bipolar disorder, can overcome their illness by studying the Bible and prayer alone. That's what a lot of Christians believe. But we Christians are forgetting. The key part of mental illness is the word illness. If someone takes Panadol, if he has a headache, why would we look differently at people who are taking medications for their anxiety and depression? Depression is like when you're colorblind and people around you who don't understand you say, look, the sky is so blue. The world is so colorful. Hello, I cannot see what you see. I'm depressed. I'm in this state. You might wonder, can I just read enough of the Bible and pray? Why doesn't it work? Because the reality is in some cases, depression is not spiritual. It is physical, chemical, sociological, and everyone knows this. And while prayer can definitely help, and while God can still make miracles in our lives, we have to understand that sometimes He heals us through doctors, He heals us through medical intervention. What I'm trying to say is that if you fall and break your leg, you pray to God and believe that He will heal you, but part of your faith means you go to the doctor and have a cast on your foot, right? What we have to remember is this, and I realize this, a life surrendered to Jesus doesn't mean that you will never feel down anymore, that you will never get depressed, that you will never feel hopeless a life given to Jesus doesn't mean that you will not have sleepless nights anymore. Do you know that the people who are depressed lie down on their bed hoping that they would fall asleep before they fall apart? I've talked to people who are depressed and they say, sleeping is not sleep anymore, it's an escape. And do you know they dread the very moment that they wake up. They fear facing the world again. It doesn't mean that you will always be motivated that you will, there will be no days when you won't feel tired or, or down 
or disheartened. There are days when you will feel like your life is just being sucked out from you. And I felt that many times in my life. It doesn't mean that you will never feel bad about yourself. You will never feel bad that you've been a failure, you've, you know, failed your family, or you've failed yourself. You know, when there are moments when you feel sorry about yourself because you just feel that everyone thinks that it's your mistake, that they're miserable, that it's always your fault. It doesn't mean that you will not be bothered by thoughts of sadness and despair. You know, the times when you feel like you're getting worse and people don't know and you cannot tell them because you feel that they don't care anyway and they wouldn't even bother. When you feel like just being alive bothers, you being alive just bothers people. And it's a sad state to be in. Sometimes we're overwhelmed with our responsibilities. We carry the heavy weight of the world on our shoulders. And there are times when we feel like we just want to give up and quit. There are times when we feel like holding on to a rope, which is running out. There's nothing left. Today, I want to encourage you. No matter how hopeless your situation is, there is hope. For even if you have reached the end of the rope, remember, God can still make a knot to prevent you from falling. At the very end of what life is for you, God can tie a knot and keep you from falling. You're not alone. The Bible is full of stories of faithful men and women who have undergone through hopelessness and a lot of depression. King David, the man after God's heart, was troubled and deeply unhappy. He was honest about his weakness. He failed and sinned a lot of times. And he said, my guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. Jonah was angry. Remember that guy? He wanted to run away. And instead of being thankful for being saved by a big fish and God restoring him, he got mad at God, and he said, Now, O oh Lord, take away my life. He was suicidal, for it's better for me to die than to live. Job, the righteous man of God, lost literally everything. He was so great in his suffering and tragedy that even his own wife said, Why don't you just curse God and die? He came to a point when he wished he wasn't born. He said, Why did I not perish at birth and die? as I came from the womb. Job remained faithful to God throughout his life, but he still struggled deeply with depression. He said, I have no peace, I have no quietness, I have no rest, but only turmoil in my life. Moses, the great leader, he wanted to quit. Remember, after that magnificent mountaintop experience with God, he came down holding the Ten Commandments only to find out that the Israelites were in complete chaos. And in, they have turned away from God in their sin and disobedience. He cried out to God on their behalf, and he said, But now please forgive their sin. But if not, then blot me out, God. Take me out of the book that you have written. Jeremiah, he was called the grieving prophet. He, he wrestled with a, a lot of loneliness in his life. He was constantly rejected by the people he loved and the people he reached out to. Have you ever felt like that, that you felt like the people you love reject you and the people you reach out to don't really care about what you feel? In the midst of his suffering, he remained faithful. He wrestled with despair and a great sense of failure in his life. And he said, cursed be the day I was born. 
Why did I ever come out of the womb to see trouble, sorrow, and to end my days in shame? You see, there are a lot of stories of great men of faith in the Bible, yet they all experience extreme moments of loneliness, extreme moments of brokenness. All of us in this room are broken. Somehow, somewhere, we all have broken places in our lives. And we're asking, God, where are you in my brokenness? In the midst of our brokenness, do we sometimes doubt if God is alive? Do we doubt Him in our prayers? And if He doesn't answer, do we doubt Him if He's even there, really caring for us? Sometimes you would ask God, where are you, God, when I'm emotionally depleted? Where are you, God, when I'm broken? Where are you, God, in all of this that I'm experiencing? Let's find out by looking at the life of a depressed saint. His name is Elijah. Elijah was probably the most celebrated and revered prophets of the Old Testament. He lived during a time where people were chasing after false god and, and worshiping idols. The main event happened at Mount Carmel. Elijah went to King Ahab and said, This, Baal, is this your God? You think that that's your God? He said, I say the Lord is God. Then he went head to head with 450 prophets of Baal at the top of Mount Carmel. He said this, We will all pray to our respective gods. And we will ask Him to bring fire to consume our sacrifice on the altar. And King Ahab said, I have 450 against one. Go, it's a deal. The prophets prayed. They danced around Baal and, and the altar the whole day. They even cut themselves until blood flowed out. They cried, Baal, answer us. But there was no response. End of the day, it was Elijah's turn. This was the great showdown. He set up the altar, piled up wood, put the bowl on top of it, dug a trench around it. He took water, poured it three times just to make sure that the wood was really, really, really wet. And this is what happened in the first book of Kings. Then the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed, O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today you are God in Israel, and I am your servant, and I have done all these things that you have commanded. Answer me, O Lord, so that people will see and know who you are, O Lord, our God, and that you are turning their hearts back again. Then the fire of the Lord burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, and the soil, and also licked up the water in the trench. When all the people saw this, they fell on the ground and cried, The Lord, He is God. He is God. After defeating the prophets, of Baal, King Ahab was really annoyed, and his wife, the evil Queen Jezebel, he sent a message to Elijah. Well, she simply said, you're a dead man. She was really pissed off. You're a dead man. You would think that after Elijah experienced God's miracle and magnificence, that he would be afraid of a threat saying, you are going to be dead soon. You know, he did. Shortly after witnessing God's magnificent miracle, Elijah feared for his life. He ran continuously for one day into the wilderness until he found a small tree and sat there. He was so tired. He was at the end of his rope. 
he just wanted to give up. I'm so afraid for my life. He said, Lord, I've had enough. Take my life. I'm no longer better. I'm no better than the people of long ago. Then he laid down the tree, and then he fell asleep. If you feel like you're breaking apart and your spirit is crushed, I have felt that way many times in my life. I just wanted to tell you, it's okay to cry out to God. It's okay to say, Lord, help me. I'm falling apart. I cannot keep myself together. I'm breaking apart. Help me. Because we can all rest in the fact that the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. Isn't that great? And He saves those who are crushed in spirit. If you are at your lowest, if you are at your darkest, if you are at your most broken, remember, just like Elijah, all you have to do is cry out to God. It's okay to cry out to God. God will not condemn you for questioning Him. God will not condemn you for your questions and your pain. Even if Elijah gave up, God didn't give up on him. And even if you have given up on God, I'm sorry to tell you, God will not give up on you. Whether you like it or not, He will not give up on you. Elijah, he ran away from God. He went into the wilderness, and God reached out to him by sending an angel. God cares about you. This verse tells us the angel brought him freshly baked bread and water, and the angel said, get up and eat. God knows what you need. When you need it, He will provide it at the time that you need it most. Elijah ate the bread and drank the water. And then what? He laid down and slept again. The Bible says he just woke up, ate, and slept again. He must have been really tired, right? After running for one day. The beauty in this passage is this. God allowed Elijah to sleep again. He didn't say, Oh, Elijah, you of little faith, snap out of that depression. He didn't say that. He's saying, Elijah, it's okay to rest. Go, sleep some more. If you feel overwhelmed, give your cares to Jesus because He will give you rest. You just heard a message from Every Nation Canberra. If you or someone you know struggles with depression, please get help. Many organizations in Australia provide services to help people dealing with depression, including Sane Australia, Lifeline, Beyond Blue, Butterfly, Mindspot, and for children, Kids Helpline. To listen to other podcasts or to access other resources, please visit our website at iancanbra.org.